Chapter 26 Ben left the bank with house keys in his hand and a smile on his face. He wished all his transactions at the bank went this smoothly. The manager, Dan, was very accommodating to one of his best customers, of course. Ben was eager to hand the keys over to Tina for her to explore, and he would as soon as he'd done his inspection and had the home services restarted. Climbing into his truck, he set course for the custom milling shop to pick up his prototype. Earlier that morning, he'd received a note from the tech who'd run his piece through the machine to say it was ready. They were on the outskirts of town in an industrial park, so it took a little time to get there. Ben reviewed peace with the tech. Seeing one of his creation in three dimensions for the first time was always the best part of the design process for Ben. While his practical side was satisfied to resolve a technical issue, there was also an artistic side that delighted in the process of bringing a concept to physical existence. Each new piece was a sculpture for him, even if they were often not that pleasing to the eye. Ben took measurements to ensure the milling and polishing process produced a result that exactly matched the design specs. The smallest variance would have a significant impact in the performance of the piece, so he had to make sure now, in the shop, that the prototype met his specs. It took him an hour of painstaking work to capture every dimension, but finally he was satisfied. He shook the tech's hand and settled up his bill. This piece was much more expensive than his previous creations, but it was also the largest one he'd made. Delighted with the end result, he sent a text to his contact at Stern Enterprises. Prototype ready for test bench. Can travel to Austin tomorrow. A response came back before he left the shop. Corporate jet, already at your airport if you are available today. Ben's eyebrows rose. He hadn't considered they'd be this desperate. He wondered how much it cost to park a jet at the airport and how much they were losing every day because of the issue. He decided that he could go today. He sent a reply. We'll be at the airport in three hours. Seconds later, the details for the jet came in. And a big thanks. Ben looked forward to meeting these fellas. He drove home and wrapped the prototype in bubble wrap and put it into a large duffel bag. He quickly packed his suitcase with a change of clothes for four days. Then he got his briefcase ready with his laptop in case he needed to make some design changes on site. Seeing Ben's truck in the driveway, Tina came back at lunch from visiting Daphne. She saw the suitcase and duffel by the door. I thought you weren't leaving until tomorrow at the earliest, she said. They actually had their corporate jet parked at the airport in case the prototype worked out. They must be losing a lot of money while they're waiting for this solution. The sooner I go, the sooner I will be back, Ben replied. Tina gave him a big hug. Ben squeezed her in a turn and kissed her forehead. I have the keys to your old place. I'm going to make some calls to get the utilities back on. Then I'm going to go over and do an inspection. Would you like to join me? We can bring back anything you'd like. It's all our now. Sure. Would you like lunch first? She asked. Just a sandwich, maybe? I'm not very hungry, he admitted. Tina gave him a look for his lack of appetite, then walked into the kitchen to make lunch while Ben made the calls. They ate 
and she asked him what he intended to do with the house. He admitted he had an idea, but he wasn't ready to disclose the details yet. Tina said that she didn't really have much use for most of the contents of the house, as it was all in James' taste, which didn't care for at all. Ben and Tina then made their way over to the house and let themselves inside. It would take a little while for all of the services to restart. Some required a technician to come to the house, and Ben made appointments for those next week when he'd be available. Ben inspected the furnace, water heater, water shut-off valve, and electrical panel in the basement, and everything looked fine. He found no split water pipes. They'd drained them earlier. He made his way upstairs, and found Tina in the master bedroom, standing at the foot of the bed with a sad look on her face. What's wrong? he asked gently. This is not a good place for me. So many unhappy memories, she said with a sniff. Ben scooped her up in his arms and kissed her. When he was done, her frown was gone and her eyes were twinkling. What's with the grin? Ben smiled back. I was imagining the look on James' face if you had done that in front of him, she giggled. Ben laughed. I would love to have done that in front of that son of a bitch. Come on, let's go home. He set Tina back on her feet. They locked up, and Ben glanced in the garage door window. He gave Tina another kiss. Then he grabbed his bags and sent a quick text indicating he was on his way to the airport. The drive wasn't too long as the airport was on this side of the city, so he avoided most of the traffic traveling around the core. He parked in long-term parking and made his way into the terminal. He met the pilot who had been informed of his arrival, and they made their way to the jet. It was shiny, sleek, and fast-looking. The pilot promised him the jet was very fast, and they would reach their destination in only a couple of hours, so he boarded and got comfortable. Soon they were in the air, and Ben tilted back in his seat. He expected it might be a long evening running tests in the test bench, so catching a few winks now would help. Ben woke up when the pilot shook his shoulder. Ben looked up at him, blinking the sleep from his eyes. The pilot said they'd arrived. He followed the man out of the plan and realized they were at a private strip next to a large factory. He saw the corporate name, stern printed in huge letters across the side of the building. A tall, thin man with a huge grin on a weary face rushed over from an electric cart. He wearing a rumpled sports jacket and well-worn jeans. He thrust a big paw out at Ben, who shook it. I'm Bill Freeney, chief engineer here at Stern. You must be Ben Shepard. So pleased to meet you at last. The scarecrow of a man boomed with a thick Texan drawl. He obviously hadn't shaved in days, and his straw-yellow hair was wildly pointing in all directions. Great meeting you. I get there is a big time crunch, so let's get started. That's what I was hoping you'd say. Come on, he grabbed Ben's suitcase and strapped it into the cart with the briefcase. He eyed the duffel between Ben's feet as they both settled into their seats. He grinned and got the electric vehicle up to speed quickly and racing back towards a low-rise white building next to the main factory. Do you have an on-site milling system? Or will you be outsourcing the construction of the production pieces? Ben asked over the wind noise. 
he was a little surprised at how fast they were going in an electric cart. We can make them in. House, we have state-of-the-art equipment. We just lacked the know-how to use that equipment to resolve the issue. I gotta tell you there are a lot of people in this building holding their breath. Den smiled. Well, tell them to take a breath. Nobody gets any work done without breathing. Our yearly bonuses are locked up in this project, and some of the damn fools have already spent theirs, the man cackled. They pulled up to the building, and Bill snapped the power off on the cart before they'd even stopped. He grabbed the suitcase and led the way into the building, Ben carrying the duffel and his briefcase. They entered the first door on the right, and six men in different states of exhaustion looked up. They perked up immediately when they saw the stranger with a large duffel smiling back at them. It's here, a short plump man with a dark bushy beard blurted. Bill grinned. Time to get to work, fellas. The energy levels instantly increased and they fell into step behind Bill, who led Ben further into the building. Soon, they entered a lab which housed a full-scale model of one section of a raw petroleum processor. Near the left side of the assembly was a gap in the extensive pipework. A folding table was set up next to the spot. Bill showed Ben he was putting the suitcase in the control room, where they'd be sitting when they ran the tests. He put his briefcase down with the suitcase and carried the duffel out to the table, where five men stood eagerly awaiting the unveiling. Two others were prepping the test bench. Ben set the duffel on the table and opened it up. He pulled the prototype out and removed the bubble wrap, exposing it to their sight for the first time. You could have heard a pin drop as the men stared at the shiny new component. Then they were all talking at once. What the fuck? How? Well, damn, it looks. Interesting, that's it. Geez, I hope this works. Ben barely heard their exclamation as he ran a critical eye over the connections he'd need to make in the test bench. There weren't any surprises. The specs he's received from Bill were good. That man was grinning from ear to ear as he saw the simplicity and elegance of Ben's design, and he just knew it would work. Ben carried it over to the test bench, and the two men proceeded to integrate the prototype into its place on the tester. Once they were both satisfied that the coupling was sound, everyone retreated to the control room. They'd carried the folding table into the control room as well, so the test chamber was empty aside from the test bench equipment. This part was all foreign to Ben, and he watched with interest as the team spent considerable time bringing their machines up to operating levels. Measurements were constantly being read out and recorded, and baselines were set. The prototype handled standard operating conditions like a charm. Then, they began the real testing. A couple more hours of introducing the real-life scenarios they'd been experiencing with substantial levels of pressure and back pressure, and one of the most critical issues they were faced with, hydraulic shock. Some of the men were confused by the results of the new tests, and asked to have the test bench inspected for leaks, and to have it calibrated once again as they weren't seeing the results they expected. Bill just smiled back at Ben, who nodded. I think you saved our bacon, Ben. We'll set up a 48-hour stress test at maximum load with spontaneous load shocks, 
but I'm optimistic based on what I've seen so far. Bill said once they were alone. The old man told me he wants to talk with you, once we've confirmed we have success. I assume you filed for a patent. Ben nodded. I'm ready to send you his way tonight, or we could set up something after breakfast if you'd like to wait for the result of the stress test. I'm confident of the design as well, but I'm actually a little tired, so I think I'd prefer to wait at least until the morning, Ben said, rubbing his stiff neck. Sure, I've set you up in the hotel just down the road. The penthouse suite with all the amenities. I'll take you there myself once we've got the test running, Bill smiled. Sounds perfect, Ben smiled. Twenty minutes later, the men were all back in the control room. No leaks had been found, and the integrity of the previous tests was confirmed. They started up the test bench once more, and locked it into a stress test at maximum load. Once it ran for fifteen minutes, the men were all grins, and they came by to shake Ben's hand and slap him on the shoulder in their enthusiasm. Six of them would be taking turns watching the machine in groups of two for two hours shifts while the others slept. Bill led Ben from the building into the main parking lot. They loaded into Bill's Suburban and drove to the hotel. Bill said he'd be by in the morning to have breakfast with Ben in the hotel restaurant at Atium. Then he'd take him back to the lab. Ben got his room key, then headed up to his room. It was a nice room. But what Ben was looking forward to most was a nice hot shower spray to soak his stiff neck muscles under. Before he did that, he dropped off his bags and went back downstairs to check out the hotel gym. It was pretty well equipped, so Be made plans to revisit in the morning. He ordered dinner from room service and was told it would be up in 30 minutes, so he hopped in the shower and stood there while the heat worked its way into his muscles. Twenty-five minutes later, he stepped out and dried himself in a big fluffy towel. The hotel gown was actually large enough for him, which was a pleasant surprise. Ben heard a knock on the door and opened it to see his dinner had arrived, the biggest, juiciest steak they had with a baked potato and steamed vegetables. He signed for it and set it up before the big screen TV. Before he tucked into his meal, he made a quick call home. Hello? Hi, Tina. It's Ben. Ben, how are you? She said excitedly. Doing good. The prototype is working as expected, so I'm going back to the factory tomorrow to talk with the Kayo, who's probably going to try to buy a patent from me. There are too many applications for this new design, so he's not going to get it, but he can certainly license it from me for a decent price. How is everything at home? We are good here. He has not arrived yet. Gabriella is having Ashley and her family over for dinner. Catherine is taking her over now. I can see them walking by, Tina said waving to her neighbour who waved back. Okay. Well, I was just checking in. I'm going to have my dinner, watch a little TV, then hit the sack early. I have an early start tomorrow. I love you. Sleep well, Ben said. I love you too, Ben. Sleep well, Tina said sweetly. Ben hung up and dug into his meal as he flipped on the local news. He wondered what the fuck was taking that asshole so long to join his family at their new home. He felt the dull throb of a headache starting behind his eyes. Gabriella opened the door 
and saw Catherine standing there with a very tall blonde woman with a baby on her hip. Catherine's smile was wide, but she saw the new woman looked a little intimidated. Behind her stood two teen girls who also seemed shy. She welcomed them into her house, and Catherine stood to the side as the women entered. Miriam and Daniel were standing in the living room entrance. Once everyone was inside, Catherine and Gabriella made the introductions. They moved into the living room. Dinner will be ready in ten minutes. I hope you like spaghetti and meat sauce, Gabriella said. Madison and Savannah smiled brightly, and Ashley nodded with a small smile. She was looking between Gabriella and Catherine. She couldn't get over how lovely both women were. Both were well-dressed and had stylish hair, makeup, and manicures. She felt like dishrag next to them. She'd had the chance to have a nice shower, and she'd done her hair today at Catherine's, but she couldn't compare to these two ladies. She began to worry about Eli's reaction to all the beautiful women in this neighborhood and her own appearance. Her confidence took another hit. Gabriella had a long conversation on the phone with Catherine that afternoon. It seemed Megan had recognized some behavior in their new neighbors that suggested they might be in an abusive relationship. As the husband had yet to arrive, the source was likely him. She saw Ashley was feeling out of sorts, so she did her best to be friendly. Ashley caught Gabriella's eye. When we had dinner at Ben and Tina's, he told us you traveled to Italy and France. Can you speak the languages? she asked. Gabriella smiled. Yes, I had some background in Italian from my parents, but I took courses in French and Italian in university, as well as business administration. The best education is just being there and speaking with the people. Immersion in the other culture and environments really accelerates the learning. Curve. Do you have an interest in languages? I can speak Spanish, Ashley said, almost reluctantly, though Gabriella caught the merest touch of pride. That's a beautiful language, Gabriella gushed, and Catherine moaned that she wanted to learn Spanish. You can teach us Spanish and we will teach you French, Gabriella exclaimed excitedly. Madison and Savannah looked at Ashley with nervous expressions, and her smile was a little brittle. The woman just nodded. Well, I think dinner is ready. Catherine, could you get our guests situated in the dining room? Gabriella changed the subject. She was beginning to agree with Megan's assessment. She wanted to help, but she'd have to tread carefully so as to not frighten them off. Miriam was aware of the odd behavior and looked at her mother with a troubled expression when she entered the kitchen to help her bring the food out. Just be their friend, Gabriella said with a smile. She proudly watched her daughter absorb that and give her a firm nod. They carried the plates of spaghetti with rich meat sauce from the kitchen to place them in front of their guests. Once more, Ashley had managed to take a chair on the side of the table and Daniel was sitting in the guest of honor spot. Joshua was sitting in Ben's clamp. On high chair, Catherine brought from her place between his mother and Catherine. On the opposite side of the table were Miriam, Madison, and Savannah. Gabriella sat at the head. A basket of garlic bread was passed around. Ashley looked at Madison and Savannah, and they bowed their heads. Daniel looked guiltily at his mother with a piece of bread in his mouth, but she just smiled and indicated he should be quiet. Once the prayer was over, everyone dug in 
and were soon enjoying the meal. Daniel gave Madison and Savannah a lesson on the proper way to use a spoon to assist in the twirling of spaghetti. Savannah, in particular, found this charming, though Miriam rolled her eyes. When they were finished, the meal Miriam, Madison and Savannah jumped to their feet and cleared the dishes. Daniel excused himself politely and assisted with the cleanup, then headed upstairs to his room to finish his homework. Miriam brought the teens up to see her room. Ashley turned to her host. I've been very impressed with how kind everyone has been since we arrived. Everyone has been very respectful of our desire to say a prayer before our meal. So many people have stepped forward to greet us and welcome us to the neighborhood. I haven't felt that level of hospitality since I was a child living in a small town in rural Texas. I've lived in the city for years, and while people can be friendly there, it certainly didn't approach this level. Catherine smiled at Gabriella, who answered. I think much of that is due to Ben. He'd been a driving force in the neighborhood since the accident that took the lives of so many of the husbands. Ashley's eyes widened. What? You might have seen it on the news around six months ago. Nine men, husbands, from this neighborhood died in a plane crash in Las Vegas. It was a very bad time. This is that neighborhood, Ashley gasped. Gabriella was a little unsure how to proceed as Ashley's face had gone white. Yes, I'm surprised your realtor didn't tell you in advance. Ashley had a troubled look. It was Eli's decision. I wasn't included in selecting where we moved. She was recalling Eli's excitement when the story was on the news. The Khalil sisters, she muttered, recalling the disgusting things Eli had said about them. What he'd like to do to them. Catherine heard her and shuddered recalling that particularly nasty moment in time. We change our surnames to my maiden name McGovern. My marriage was over by that point anyway. My husband treated me no better than property. He had no respect for me and treated his children like a burden. I was about to file for divorce when it happened. Ashley looked at Catherine in surprise. My husband loved his children, but he stopped loving me a long time ago. I hadn't felt loved in years. If I'd been as brave as Catherine, I would have filed for divorce myself. But I lacked the confidence in myself. My marriage was cold, but it was safe. We had no idea our husbands were cheating on us. If I had, I would have divorced him the moment I found out. But you, you had something to fall back on. Your business, your education, Ashley blurted. Gabriella nodded. That's true. But Ben said something to the group of widows. When we got together that day, he was injured by the man with the club. He told us that we were all good people and we could rely on each other when we needed help. I think we'd been so caught up in our own individual miseries that we'd been so caught up in our own individual miseries that we'd forgotten we could care for others and others could care for us. Once we realized that our friendship strengthened incredibly, that's the true strength of a community, caring, the willingness to lend a hand, to support each other if we have trouble of any kind, even just knowing someone nearby, is we have trouble of any kind, even just knowing someone nearby. Ready to help has given me a peace of mind like I've never known before. Ben exemplifies those values of community. He is the first one to raise his hand to offer his time and effort. He's very protective, 
and he never, ever expects anything in return, not even praise. That's something you will see. Once you get to know him, Ben has an issue with praise. It makes him really uncomfortable. We try not to say how much we appreciate him when he's nearby as it drives him away. He's actually seeing a counsellor about that. Ashley was watching Gabriella and Catherine talk about Ben, and they obviously loved him. But Tina said he loved her and Trish. She was so confused. Are you in love with Ben? She finally asked. Both women immediately said yes, then laughed. Gabriella explained. Ben had a very rough time growing up, and we haven't heard the full story yet. There are some dark hidden events in his past. When he moved into the neighborhood, he got married, and when they found out they couldn't have kids his wife, who was sterile, she left him for another man. That emotionally knocked Ben off his moorings. He was in pretty rough shape. He drank a lot. She saw Ashley stiffen. But he was just a sad drunk, not violent in any way. Ashley relaxed, and Gabriella continued. One day, a man drove into the neighborhood and tried to abduct Miriam. He got her into the back of his van and was about to escape when Ben got him. Ben wasn't at his best, but he managed to pull the man from his van and beat him against the side of it. In desperation, the man shot Ben three times, in the torso, but Ben just knocked the gun away. I managed to get Miriam out of the back of the van by that point. She was traumatized and wailing in my arms. Ben looked at me and I looked at me, and I looked at him. I saw the rage in his eyes, and I knew he could feel my terror at almost losing my daughter. He lifted that monster in the air and snapped his neck like a twig. Then the police tackled him, and he passed out from blood loss. They rushed him to the hospital and managed to save him. But he fell into a coma. Gabriella took a deep breath and saw she had Ashley's rapt attention. I was at a particularly low point in my marriage at that time. And Ben had just killed a monster who was trying to steal my daughter. I knew he did it for me and Miriam, and I fell for him hard. I went to the hospital as often as I could, and I took care of his house. My husband was annoyed by how. Much time I was spending on Ben, but outside of that, he didn't care. Ben was in the coma for four months, and it took eight months of physiotherapy before he got to go home. I brought him home, but I never told him I was in love with him. He was still mourning the loss of his marriage. He was still mourning the loss of his marriage. His self, worth, had taken an almost fatal blow when that woman left him. I secretly loved Ben for years, as my husband just grew more distant. Catherine was also in love with Ben, and at first I was threatened by that. I didn't understand Ben well enough, and I didn't understand the truth about love. Ben is capable of loving completely. Whatever damage was done to his psyche during those rough years of his youth, somehow it failed to diminish his incredible capacity to love. He loves me. I know he also loves Catherine and Tina. And Trish, though she's a little sensitive about that. Once I was able to accept that his love for them didn't diminish his love for me in any way, I was able to open my heart to him, as he'd opened his to me. I love Catherine like my best friend and a sister combined. I would never deny her Ben's love, and there's truly no reason to. Please understand, Ben isn't trying to get as many women in his bed as he can. He's actually very shy and uncomfortable with people noticing his looks and coming on to him. He's not a flirt, or a player, or any of those things. He's just a nice man, 
who happens to also be gorgeous, brilliant, strong, sensitive, generous to a fault, and great listener. Don't forget he has an amazing body and the libido of a teenager, Catherine grinned. Ashley blushed. Gabriella scowled at Cat. Yes. Well, the most important thing to take away from this conversation is that you are surrounded by people who care. That event six months ago may have been horrible and life-altering, but from it, we forged a new community comprised of people you can turn to no matter what. No judgment. Just help. Catherine, Ben, Tina, Daphne, Trish, Rochelle, and myself. Any of us will be there for you. You just have to ask. Okay. She looked into Ashley's eyes, seeing the message was getting through. She'd planted the seed. Hopefully, should an episode of abuse arise, she'd recall Gabriella's words. She smiled at the woman. Anyone for coffee or dessert? Ben had a poor night's sleep. He put it down to sleeping alone for the first time in a while. He'd begun to get used to having someone, typically Tina, in his bed. He used the gym and got ready the day. He went down to the restaurant and saw Bill sitting at a table by the window. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Ben. Sleep well, the man asked. Well enough, I suppose. I prefer my bed, Ben replied. Do you travel much? Bill asked. Actually, this is the furthest from home I've been, he said honestly. I've traveled to Las Vegas once for a trade show, but that's it. I prefer the comforts of home and the missus prefers me home as well, Bill admitted. I don't like being away from my kids. Do you have a missus and kids? Ben smiled and shook his head, then paused and smiled more broadly. Bill's eyes twinked. I was married once, but it didn't work out. We didn't have kids, but I'm living with a woman right now who has a one-year-old. It's, it's nice to hear him call me Dada, Ben said with a guilty smile. Bill's grin cranked up as Ben shared his happy secret. He knew Ben was good people. The waitress arrived and took their order. She promised it would be right out. So I told you I'd take you to see the old man this morning. But he called me last night to say that I wasn't to schedule anything for him until the evening as he had to fly to Las Vegas on family business. The man explained with a grimace. It looked like he had a bad taste in his mouth. Oh, has there been some tragedy? Ben asked, concerned. What? Oh, no, nothing like that. Bill said then frowned. Obviously, there was something bothering the man, and he wanted to talk about it, but something was holding him back. What's on your mind? Ben said in a deep, casual tone, using the old bartender trick to start a conversation. He kept his expression neutral as well. Bill needed to talk with someone about this. As a senior-level manager, he had no one to vent with and no, it wouldn't get back to his boss. Ben was a good listener, and Bill somehow knew he could trust his discretion. The old man. He's great with us. I mean, sure, he's a tough old bird who doesn't give an inch, but he's fair and generous enough. Working at Stern has been really great for me, and the team but a while back we almost all quit. The old man has one blind spot, and that's his boy, Ray, in high school. The kid was some kind of football quarterback prodigy, and he got picked up on a football scholarship in university. Something bad happened involving a party. Too much alcohol and a girl. 
The next game, none of the defense would protect him, and Ray got injured pretty bad. Some say it was retaliation for what he'd done to the girl. He dropped out of university, and his dad brought him into the company. He tried grooming Ray for management to take over the company when he passed on, but Ray developed a bad temper and a cruel streak. We lost more female employees during those years than we ever had before. Company parties were the worst as he got mean when he drank. The waitress arrived with their food, and they ate in silence for a few minutes. Ben didn't press him to continue, but remained receptive if and when he decided to start again. He seemed like a recent decent man, and this was really eating at him. Bill set down his fork as he was ready to continue. Finally, someone talked to the old man, and he seemed to get control over his son. Things got better for a while, and a woman took interest in him, which seemed to calm him down a little more. When the first baby was announced, Ray seemed to be growing up. The second one followed a year later, and we had almost forgotten he'd been such a head case before. Then we had a Christmas party, and Ray got to drinking and took a fancy to one of the secretaries, a married one. The husband took offense and ended up in the hospital when he got the shit kicked out of him in the parking lot. We knew who did it, but couldn't prove it, and the old man only saw his dutiful son with grandkids. Ray started acting up again, and I think his wife bore the brunt of it. He was a cruel bastard. He made life miserable as work as well. It took an organized protest from the entire engineering department to get the old man to listen, but all he did was transfer Ray to the Houston office. About three years ago, Ray's wife died. Overdose. He'd isolated her, so none of her friends had known what kind of pressure she'd been under. I feel bad for his kids. Not a year later, he started dating a poor young blonde from the Houston office secretarial pool. It wasn't too long before he knocked her up. The old man threatened to fire him if he didn't marry the girl, but I'm not sure if that was a favor. Bill leaned in so Bane did as well. Something bad happened in the Houston office. Something no one will talk about, but the old man had to move Ray and his family once more. Now, I got word that Ray got into a drunken altercation with a prostitute in Las Vegas. She's in bad shape. The old man flew over to bail him out again. Bill fixed Ben with a look. With the money he's spending getting his son out of trouble, and the money he may be spending to deal with this Houston situation, we really need to get this prototype of yours into production. Once they're in place, we'll be able to triple our output safely, and that will give an immediate financial boost for the company. Not to mention the jobs it will protect, mine included. I know you aren't likely to sell the patent to the old man. I know there are many industries and applications that would benefit from your design. Are you looking at licensing it to us? Yes, and the rate will be fair. I don't need to get rich off this one design. The volume of license deals I can make will take care of generating a decent revenue stream. Bill sighed and relaxed. Should we get back to it then? Lead the way, Ben smiled. Bill signed for breakfast. Ben's stay was going on the corporate account, and they headed back to the lab. When they got there, the shifts were changing and the men seemed rested and calm. Morning, Bill. Ben. Uneventful night, the short-bearded engineer said. Morning, Dale. That's excellent news, Bill said all smiles. 
They went through the logs and the test bench had thrown several calamitous events at the prototype, but there was no sign of excess heat, strain, but most pleasing of all, there had been no occurrences of hydraulic shock. None. Not even a ripple. Ben went through the numbers, and he asked Bill for a schematic of the full assembly. Bill's eyes lit up as he could see the wheels turning in the engineer's eyes. Ben pulled out his laptop and fired it up. Once the drawings were in front of him, he ran some calculations and pointed out a particular section on the drawing. Do you have sensors on this section for heat build-up? he asked. Bill smiled, seeing where this may be going. Can I get the specs for this piece here? Ben said to Dale, who was leaning in over the drawings. Coming right up, Dale said. Soon, other members of the team were getting involved. Bill and Ben reviewed the entire refinery schematic, and between them, they found four more places where Ben's component should be installed over the existing four places they'd intended. The net effect of this would allow the system to handle five times its current load. They'd be five times more productive. When the team finally sat back in exhaustion, they were all dazed by the events. By utilizing the valve, Ben had designed for the nuclear power plant in place of the standard valves, the entire system was safer and five times more efficient. Output would be five times higher, meaning five times more cost-effective and five times the revenue. No retooling would be required as the connections were all standard. The valves weren't exorbitantly expensive and could be ordered from the manufacturer online. Dale immediately got on that. Ben worked out a rough agreement with Bill that Stern Enterprise could be the exclusive licensed manufacturer for the new hydraulic shock reduction component he'd designed for them. The final agreement would have to be done through Stern's CEO, Jacob Stern. It was finally time to see the man. Ben shook the hands of each member of the team. He'd never worked with a group of engineers directly before, and he complimented Bill on his team. The man was rightly proud. Bill drove Ben in the electric cart over to the large office tower standing apart from the factory. He'd made the call, and the old man was ready. The two men made their way to a large boardroom on the top floor and made themselves comfortable. The view from the room was spectacular, and they were enjoying the sunset when they heard the door opening behind them. They stood and shook the hand of Jacob Stern, a man in his sixties, but currently looking like a man in his eighties. Is everything okay, sir? Bill asked, worried about strain showing on the man's face. Jacob's sharp eyes jerked to Bill, but saw only concern there, so he nodded and smiled. Yes, thank you, Bill. He turned his eyes on Ben, and a little bit of vitality seemed to return. So this is the man who engineers miracles. Ben smiled as Bill slapped him on the shoulder. The miracles just keep coming. The component he designed surpasses expectations, and we just spent the day making adjustments to the refinery design, using his new component plus some valves he designed years ago. With these new adjustments and components in place, we can safely boost the output of the refinery by five times. Jacob's eyes snapped back to Bill. What? Five times? Are you 100 sure of that? Yes, sir. The engineering is sound. We're ordering the valves. We need about a dozen of them, 
and they only cost $1,500 each. Ben's new hydraulic shock reduction component. We can manufacture those here, so they'll only run us around $500 each, and we need eight. Best of all, Ben and I worked out a rough agreement to allow Stern Enterprises to be the exclusive licensed manufacturer of these. The market will be enormous as they'll work for many industries. Jacob was looking more and more pleased with his chief engineer. Life was returning to his eyes, which at the beginning of the meeting were anything but lively. Jesus, Bill, I had no idea you had the business chops to work out such a deal, the old man grinned. Well, it's just the frame of a deal, pending your approval and review, of course, Bill shrugged. Jacob looked like a man who'd been thrown a lifeline. He was nodding and looking at Bill in a new light. I've done this before, as I have a number of designs I've licensed manufacturers to provide. I have a licensing contract I can send you, which you can have your legal team go through. Once that is signed, I'll give Bill here the manufacturing specs for the component, and he can get his team started. Jacob looked back at Ben, and there was steel in his eyes once more as the businessman resurfaced. What are the fees for licensing going to be? Ben was ready for that question and flipped open his laptop. The contract was on the screen in seconds, and the fees page just a few seconds later. I use a pretty standard rate, which I believe you will find fair. He spun the screen towards the CO. Jacob read through the page, then reread the text. His eyes returned to Ben. As I mentioned to Bill, I don't need to get rich from this one design. I believe as Bill does, the market for these is very large. Keeping the price down will mean much higher volume which guarantees a steady stream of income. Stability and long-term growth is more interesting to me. Impressed me. He got that immediately and saw how Stern could not only utilize them for the company's own immediate benefit, but as the licensed manufacturer, you could increase the company's revenue stream and diversify your offering to protect the company against market fluctuations in oil futures. Jacob was back to looking at Bill. Ben could see Bill having a brighter future at the company now. Send me the contract. I'll have my team look at it overnight, and we can sign it tomorrow morning, Jacob said. He stood, and they rose with him. Jacob shook Ben's hand and surprised him with the tightness of his grip. Ben thought it was a stupid game, but he gave back what he got, plus some, and the CEO grinned broadly and nodded. Bill was obviously ready for the grip, and Jacob smiled brightly as he turned and left the room. Once he was gone, Bill turned to Ben. Don't sell yourself short. Nothing I said wasn't the absolute truth. I think you are just what Mr. Stern needs for his company to succeed and grow. Ben sat down again and modified a copy of the contract to reflect the relationship between himself and Stern Enterprises, naming the parties, including Jacob and Bill and the component they would be manufacturing, including his patent submission, including his patent submission id. He emailed the contract to both Jacob Stern and Bill. Okay, that does it. We get a signature on this tomorrow morning, and by lunch you are making the components. And by the afternoon, I'm on my way home. Can I bring you home tonight for a home-cooked meal? My lady insists. Bill grinned, showing the text from his wife. I'd like that, Ben said. They made their way back down to the electric cart and made a quick stop by the lab. 
Once Bill explained what had transpired to his team, there were even more smiles, handshakes and pats on the back. The future of the team looked promising too. As Bill drove Ben to his home, they talked about how unhappy Jacob had been when the meeting began. I know he loves his son, as any father should, but Ray is a grown man now, and he has some serious issues that are not getting addressed. He's hurt people. He needs to take responsibility for himself, but I think he knows his dad will just keep protecting him. Maybe this time the trouble is larger than Jacob can deal with. You mentioned he was arrested, Ben said. Maybe so. I actually hope that's the case. Bill took Ben to a lovely two-story home in the suburbs of Austin. As they pulled into the driveway, a boy and girl charged out of the front door and rushed up to the car. Ben smiled, seeing the kids. Twins? he asked as they exited the truck. The man nodded. This is my son, David, and my daughter, Emma. Kids, this is Ben. He introduced the ten-year-olds, clinging to his legs. Up there, on the porch, is my lovely wife, Melissa. Ben nodded to the kids and waved at the woman, and they all moved inside. Supper's in ten minutes. Go get cleaned up. Ben, you can use the bathroom in the hall if you'd like to freshen up, Melissa said. She was a good foot shorter than her husband, but sturdy of body. The smile on her face seemed a permanent fixture. Ben washed his hands and face in the little bathroom and met the family in the dining room. What would you like to drink with your meal, Ben? Bill asked. Water, please, he said. Sure, we have beer if you'd like one, Bill offered. I don't drink any more, Ben explained. Ah, sorry, Bill said and nodded. He filled Ben's glass from the water cooler in the corner. Melissa entered the room, carrying a large platter of fried chicken. On the table already were steaming bowls of mashed potatoes, corn, greens, and biscuits, and gravy. The family sat down and said grace. Melissa did the honours and mentioned Ben's presence as their special guest, which made him smile. The kids were super excited to have a guest, and Ben enjoyed getting them to smile and giggle. The food was excellent, and Ben told them stories about the deep winter snows they sometimes got back home. Finally, dinner was over, and the kids were off like a shot to get in some last-minute playing before bed. Ben, Bill, and Melissa retired to the seats, out on wide front porch, and enjoyed the cooler air of the evening. Nell, honey, Ben did me a real favor today. He talked me up to the boss, and old Jacob is looking at me like he's just discovered treasure in his backyard, Bill exclaimed, and Melissa turned her brilliant smile on their guest.